Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, and our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did. And we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. So we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to discuss topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after season one, I'm pretty sure we already have. (laughs) So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody's time we take the focus off our kids for once and focus on moms and dads okay let's face it as soon as halloween is over it's like non-stop action right it's like thanksgiving parties holiday parties company parties all this stuff and it's just non-stop and pretty much from here until new year's day would you say yes um and even more so than any other time of the year i think parents tend to focus less on ourselves than our kids, our spouses, our extended families. Yes, I think so too. Just recently, this this came to pass, and this is why I reached out to you and said I think we should do this topic. But I have a friend on Facebook. Well, actually, she's a, a good friend of mine. And um, she posted something on Facebook that absolutely took me by surprise. And she posted about her severe depression and anxiety and how she was going to rise above it and not let it define her. Hmm. Now, let me say this. I read this post and I I sat and I was absolutely stunned because this mom is literally the epitome of a super mom. She volunteers for every single thing at school. She's so bubbly. She's so, well, happy. And it just literally, I was just like, what? Totally shocked, huh? Totally shocked. I had no idea. So I thought it was really brave of her to come out and say it on, on social media. Um, and so it got me thinking that there's probably a lot of moms out there that who are silently suffering with depression or anxiety and have to hold it all together and be like, I'm a parent. I got to suck it up. All right. So I don't know if you know this about me, uh, but I take meds for depression and anxiety. I started in my 20s. It's not as straightforward as people think. My doctor told me that my brain reuptakes serotonin, which causes me to work harder to process information. So he made me feel better about myself by saying it's like the rest of the world has cable, back when cable was actually a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he said the rest of the world. We're dating ourselves right now. Um, He said the rest of the world has cable, and I have like the bunny ears antenna. So when I take the meds, it evens the playing field. So um, just as a diabetic needs insulin, I need selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And yeah, I know, SSRIs. Okay. Um, and there should be no judgment about that. It's, it's no. medicine. Yeah. But there is. And so I'm a little nervous about actually talking about it. <laughs> well, I think it's very brave of you to say that. And you're with me. We're in the we're in the tree right here, right? We're in the bubble. Yes. And I mean, Anne, we've been friends for 20 plus years. So, yeah. you know, I love you no matter what. So. Right. I hope everybody listening does too. (laughs) 
there's no judgment whatsoever. And it's a shame that you even feel that way. I'm really sorry about that. Thanks. Um, I, I have to say that I feel like social media, as wonderful as it is, it actually exacerbates this problem. Because honestly, everyone posts all their damn pictures of how lovely and stinking beautiful everything is all the time. And it just isn't. No. Do you remember that show, My So-Called Life? Yeah. I feel like so- social media is my so-called life. It is what I want people to think. It's, um, you know, we, we literally put filters on our lives. You yeah. know, on Instagram, you can make, make yourself look better. And yeah. no, or a do-over, like, I don't like that picture. Swipe it and delete it and do it over again. Right. And, you know, no one glows like that. And also, when did we start having to take pictures way up above <laughs> so we all look thinner? Or I don't know what, no double chins. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that we are holding ourselves up up to someone else's standards, and mm-hmm. they're not real. Right. And we're, you know, we have kids. We, we don't have small kids anymore. I mean, they're self-sufficient at this point now. But back in the day when they were little, it's just brutal in the early stages because you were just tired and just trying to do the best you can. And so I was reading that as many as one in four women suffer from this biological illness at some point in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. One in four. That's yeah. a lot. Including 10% of new moms who suffer or develop postpartum depression. So as you might expect, depressed moms often hide the way they are feeling because they're ashamed like many women do. And one study says that as many as two-thirds of all depressed women suffer in silence. And so that's when my friend came out and said something on Facebook. It actually was really wonderful because the amount of love and support of, I mean, people post stuff on Facebook all the time, but this one went viral kind of because everybody swarmed in and was like, I love you. Like, I, me too, without using that hashtag, but right. it, it's me too. I have this problem. And it just was incredibly warm and supportive. And I thought it was amazing. So it was brave for her to come out. But at the same time, it's a shame. Well, it's interesting too because when you when you suffer from it, you have um, you can have episodes, right? So um, I did have severe postpartum after Sophie, and um, I remember sitting in the car while Clark and my mom were getting flowers or plants or something, and, and um, all I could do was sob. Uh-huh. Um, I was hospitalized twice after Sophie, so I was not even in, in touch yeah, with you her had, that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, complications. And, I remember. Right. So so did you? Yes. Um, and but you had a ten week old baby, so I couldn't even call you. Right. Um, and I. I got to say, I I always thought I'd be a good mom, and I was not. I did not know how to be a good mom, and she was colicky. At one point, I had to have my sister come over, and my sister had a baby too. But you know, I I understood why people shake babies. Yes, because I couldn't get her to stop crying. And when Clark had to go out of town, and I was like, "What am I going to do?" Yeah, and so I I don't remember doing all this, but I, I guess I told Clark that I was going to leave and move to Iowa and tend bar. <laughs> Really? Yes. And he was like, why? Oh. Why? And Katie, my sister, said, why wouldn't you go to Vegas? I mean, not (laughs) why Iowa? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I was like, well, maybe I will go to Vegas now and not tell you, you know. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough. You know, and and this this one particular friend doesn't have a small infant, you know, the the postpartum thing. But, um, and she said, I've been suffering from this since I was a teenager. So, and again, all these people came out. And supporting her and also um, saying, I'm suffering the same thing. So I felt like that was a really powerful thread because it made people say, you know what, I do too. Or, you know, and so that you, then all of a sudden out of the shadows, you have somebody that 
can maybe be like a buddy. An ally. Yes. So as we head into this incredibly stressful time of year with all the things we have to do with Hanukkah, Christmas, 35 people coming over like you do. (laughs) Um, When everyone is supposed to be celebrating and shopping and hosting get-togethers, what about those who, those moms, because we're we're not talking about kids today. Mm -mm. What about all those who are suffering from depression who have to put on an Oscar-winning performance and fake it? Right. And this goes for dads, too, although I think less so. But yes, any any parent who's faking it because they have to keep their act together. Yes. And make it seem like everything is puppy dogs and rainbows. But inside, you know, even though you, you put up a tree and everything's beautiful and the lights are glowing and all these things, everything's warm and Martha Stewart and all this stuff. But inside you feel kind of dark. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to bring in Dr. Megan Kennedy, a clinical psychologist with Edward Elmhurst Health. And she's also affiliated with Linden Oaks Behavioral Health out in the western suburbs. They offer mental health services, including inpatient and outpatient treatment for things exactly like this with depression and so on. Dr. Kennedy? Hey. Hi, Dr. Kennedy. How are you guys? We're good. Thanks for joining us. So I'm excited to be here. So to get started, could you identify or help signal what some of the signs of depression are? Because maybe sometimes people don't even know that they are depressed. Yeah, I think some people think it's just sadness, but it's more than that, right? Right, definitely. Definitely. You know, we we look at sadness and and we should all. Sadness is a human, normal human experience. So we're all going to experience sadness at some time in our lives. But when depression really starts kicking in is when we, you know, our sleep is becoming interfered with, whether we're sleeping too much or not sleeping enough. Um, Our appetite changes, either eating too much or not enough again. Um, Feeling hopeless or helpless, feeling like we can't reach out to anyone um, or that there's no, you know, purpose to move on in life. Um, And and wanting to pull away from activities that we, we once enjoyed, and that that brought us joy. Um, those are some major cues that we're dealing with depression. So why do you think that parents ignore their depression rather than seek help? Like if they're starting to, if they identify maybe some of these um, signs, why do we all suffer in silence and kind of just let it go? Well, I think we have such a huge stigma against depression and anxiety um, in our world. And you guys mentioned it, you know, with, with the friends on Facebook, we all want to look good and, and, and heaven forbid any of us uh, suffer from not being perfect and not living up to what society wants us to be. We want to turn in. We don't want to share that information. Unfortunately, that then causes us to um, try to control it. And the more we try to control depression, the worse we make it. So, you know, it's interesting that it kind of cycles even deeper by trying to ignore it. But other reasons, you know, we're too busy. You know, I think you guys mentioned that. We want to be good moms and, and dads, and we can't do that if we're not feeling good. So we better just, you know, tough it out and look happy. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is, whew, happy. That That's a whole nother, that's another series in itself. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're, we're living up to these expectations in the world that are so unfair and we're putting them on ourselves. So best to just kind of suffer and, and get through the day and get through the holidays in our own little suffering world. 
Yeah. And run off to band practice, soccer practice, yeah. baseball, yeah. and, and yeah. just go through. And then, and then honestly, I feel like it might feel like you're kind of a robot. Like you're, mm-hmm. it's like an out of body experience that you're just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there, there's been times that I, I'm just like overwhelmed and, that's a trigger word with Doug and I. Like if he says overwhelmed, that's a trigger word. <laughs> but, but like sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, so much. I'm to just, do. I'm just going through the motions, and I'm not really experiencing the moment right then. Right. So this lack of mindfulness or awareness of what's going on, both in ourselves and in the world around us, we're just like you said, the robot. I think that's a great way to explain what we do as as busy moms. Well, and I think um, too, we look ahead because we worry and we look behind because we have regrets but we almost never look Mm. at where we are right now yeah wow that's good that's so true (laughs) and (laughs) i tell producer in us (laughs) (laughs) i tell my patients that you know depression is past thinking and anxiety is future thinking and if we could be present in the moment we're okay you so. just described me to a T. Then. <laughs> yes, oh. yes. The, the past and future. Myself too. <laughs> yeah. Practice what you preach, lady. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, Megan, um, in my experience, depression has been sort of episodic in terms of um, mm-hmm. the, the overwhelming feelings. And um, wh- my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, he, oh. I wanted to stay in bed all day. And then he died, and it got worse, and it was mm. debilitating. And at one point, my daughter asked if I would ever stop crying. And I said, you know, how would you feel if you lost daddy? And she said, I feel like I've lost you. Mm. And that, in some ways, having the kids and the distractions and the obligations saved me from that episode, because... I had to get out of bed. You know, you can't mm-hmm. you can't fade away. How does depression affect family members, children, um, and how can family members support someone who's going through it? Great question. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So first of all, I'm sorry about your dad. I, I lost you. mine, and that led to some depression in mine myself as well while I was in grad school. I'm sorry. And raising that. teenagers, yeah. crazy. Oh. <laughs> but um, we, as 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 parents, have to show our children that we're human. And that it is okay to be sad because that is, like I said earlier, a normal human experience. And so to express that sadness to our children is is very acceptable and normal. And yet, getting up and, and trying to keep the kids going as best as we can, but also recognizing that we do have limits. You know, I think so often we push push, 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 because we think we're supposed to keep the kids in soccer and, and the music and everything else that they have to do in, during the day in order to be like the perfect kid, right? <laughs> and that doesn't allow them much time for downtime, which is also important. So setting an example that, hey, when, so, when we lose somebody we love and care about very dearly, it makes us sad and that is okay. And when we're feeling sad, we may have a hard time getting up and doing the things we once enjoyed. But then trying to do what you can and recognizing what truly is a value in your life. You know, I think when we get hit with these tragedies in life, it gives us a good time to set perspective, set in perspective what we do truly value. And it sounds like you got hit with the value of your daughter by her saying that, you know, I feel like I've lost you. That reminded you that you value your relationship with her and that's what kind of kicked you back into gear. For sure. And yeah, because you you can get lost in the grief and then Mm -hmm. uh, can't feel anything else. But then Mm -hmm. um, having someone reach out. Knock on your door. Yeah, she woke me up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
What a wonderful experience. Yes. To have her say that to you. It probably felt hurtful at the time, but she was <laughs> saying it out of love. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes, exactly. So, and that you could recognize that because I think sometimes we can we can miss those cues. So you were being mindful in that moment and recognizing that, hey, my daughter's crying out for me and I need to be there for her as well. Yeah, that makes me feel better. Thanks. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what advice could you give moms who may be suffering silently or but still looking at a laundry list of things to do over the next, you know, two months during the holiday season? How do they get all that needs to be done when they're not in like a good place? So I use a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy. And the idea behind it is that we all have things that we value and are important to us. So, and, and what you value is different than what I value. And, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, we definitely all have things we value. During the holiday season, I think we tend to lose sight of what we truly value. And we get pulled into things that we think we're supposed to do or that we feel obligated or, you know, just the stress of, of the rush and oh, everything has to be pretty and decorated. And yes. So identifying our values and then moving forward in search of those values and taking out the stuff that doesn't fit into our values. Sure. So, you know, like, you do we really need to put all all five boxes of holiday decorations out? Yeah. Or, or wait, I've got one thing to say: Elf on a shelf. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, that that died in my house. <laughs> we didn't even. I, we came, my kids came up just before that started. Thank goodness. Lucky I you. Yeah. Yeah. Tooth Fairy didn't even survive. <laughs> In my house, so. <laughs> Remind me to put a disclaimer on this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Yes. Yeah. Please don't let your children listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're saying to, to just, you know, make a list of what is really important to you and everything yeah. else should just fall off the list and be like, yeah, that just doesn't matter. That can go by right. the wayside and I'm okay with it. And, and looking back at that list and reminding yourself of what truly is important during the holidays. And, you know, we may need reminders every five minutes because we feel like, oh, wait, shiny thing over there. I want that. Um, but that shiny thing may not be important to the grand scheme of what we want the holidays to be. This will be my first Christmas uh, that my oldest will be home from college. So... I know my values over the holiday are going to be spending as much time with him as he'll let me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that might mean that uh, I don't get to go out and hang out with uh, a friend I haven't seen in 10 years. And that's okay because my kid's more important. Sure. If a mom or dad is in a funk, and, you know, this is an episode I hope my children aren't listening to. And if you are, stop. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, how best should they talk to the kids about it? Should you say, listen, this is something mommy's going through. This is, um, should there be a conversation? I think there should be. Once again, validating those normal human feelings, sadness, down, all of that stuff that comes with life. You know, we can't be happy without being sad. We can't, you know, move on without, we get mad sometimes. It's all normal. So teaching them, that is so important. Then we also teach them how to find that in themselves. Now, you know, a conversation with a four-year-old is obviously going to be different than a conversation with a 16-year-old. Exactly. And they should be, they should be age-appropriate, you know. You could explain, Mommy's tummy hurts because Mommy's sad because Mommy misses Grandpa. And Mommy just needs to sit down for a few minutes and think about Grandpa, and I might cry a little bit, and that's okay. Now, with the 16-year-old, you can say, hey, I have depression, and, and it hurts. 
and it hurts inside my body and it hurts inside my head. And I think it's important that I talk about it to you because if you ever feel this way, I want you to know that you can come and talk to me as well. Yeah, for sure. I I look for signs all the time in my kids because I know that it is hereditary. Yeah. Kids are really smart. Like for in your Mm -hmm. situation, like I don't know if that is across the board. Everyone could say that, but I don't know if all kids pick up on it. They might they might know that something's off. But in your situation, they were very um, astute, astute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would would you say that there is definitely um, is there ramifications with not having the conversation with the kids and just faking it? I would definitely think that there are because if you're not explaining it and they're picking up on it, their their little minds are running off on what they think is wrong. And oh, do you think they like it's like, oh, I've done something wrong? Yeah. Right. It could be that. Ooh. It could be, you know, they could be thinking it's something else. They're, they're smart little guys. And you're saying Anne's daughter or Anne's children were receptive to it. I think all children are pretty receptive, especially if we've nurtured and, you know, provided that time to bond with them. That's that's the whole thing of bonding. You, you're connected to these children for life. So I think letting them know what's going on is so important uh, so they don't start running off in their own minds with what's wrong. Sure. You know, you, th- you hear those stories about, like, the parents are fighting and the little kid's like, oh, they're fighting because of me. Right. They're already making up in their own minds what's wrong. True. They didn't need to hear it. They did it. So this same thing happens when we're dealing with depression and you know mental health issues. I was reading somewhere that it's good um, to let kids stick to their regular activities even when you don't feel like it. How, why does this help? Well, depression is interesting. And if we think back about you know learning behavior, we can reinforce depression by letting ourselves not do things. You know, it's very easy to say, oh, I don't feel like getting out of bed and then not getting out of bed. And then the brain says, well, we don't want to get out of bed, so we're not going to get out of bed some more. Right. Um, that can get reinforced, positively reinforced, right? By going out and doing things, we are also positively reinforcing the good behavior. You know, getting up, I have to take my kids to gymnastics. I have to get up and go do that. The brain says, okay, well, we're not going to win this battle. <laughs> Let's just go with it. <laughs> And so by doing more, you positively reinforce those behaviors of getting up. Now, that being said, remember keeping it within values. Do we need stressed out little little kids going everywhere, especially during the holidays? You know, maybe not. Right. Some things it's okay to say no to. Exactly. Like, oh, you know what? Maybe they can skip this class yeah. to th- this week. That's okay, too. We don't have to, you know, push them till you know, they can't. Um, they also have to learn how how to take downtime and rest. We could use more of that in my house. <laughs> um, people, so the grown-ups might feel like skipping holiday parties, right? You know, if you or family get-togethers, if you're if you're going through um, sadness, depression, feelings of isolation, is it a good idea to go out and be social, or is it is it better to stay home and and avoid people? Well, going back to that reinforcement, right? The more we go out and do the better we're going to feel. I feel like that with exercise. Like, I'm like, I don't want to exercise. And then I go, and then I'm really glad I did. And then I feel really good. And I'm like, darn, I'm I'm so glad I actually put the gym shoes on and went to the gym. Exactly. That is exactly it. However, you know, going back to that whole values thing, is the party truly a value to you? Are you spending time with people that are a value to you? Or are you spending time with people you haven't talked to and offer you nothing (laughs) back? Right? So... So keeping that in mind and not forcing yourself to do the things that really don't mean a whole lot. Like, yeah. I don't want you to go 
checking a box that say that you went just to say you went to it and not exactly yes or going out and seeing people who don't make you feel good about yourself right because that's just gonna negatively you know that'll Oh, I get those confused. <laughs> It'll reinforce something the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a difference between holiday blues? Like, you've heard about the blues. What's the difference between blues and depression? Good question. So holiday blues is going to typically be a shorter lasting, you know, it's hard to go do things because they make me sad. They remind me of sad or happy times. You know, definitely situational around the holidays. Where depression, we're looking at a time period. So anything lasting longer than six weeks is when we start looking at a depression diagnosis. And then those symptoms we talked about earlier. Blues can be, you know, not wanting to go out and do stuff where major depression is going to be, you know, I'm not doing anything or I'm not sleeping. We're going to look for a series of symptoms and a length of time. When I was first diagnosed, I had people in my life who said I should just uh, pray and I should just be strong. And I had people in my life who said, go get the meds. There's a big stigma if you take medication. And Mm -hmm. what do you suggest to people? Should they tough it out? Or should, I mean, and there's a lot of people who don't want to take any meds too. So Mm -hmm. what do you advise people? I advise that a, seek out help, whether it's talking to your primary care physician. Um, you know, fortunately, within the Edwards system, our primary care physicians have um, psychologists and therapists on staff in their clinics. So if they're feeling symptoms, the doctor can refer them over to talk to the psychologist and look into it further, which is awesome. But, you know, you can um, definitely get it checked out. First and foremost, figure out what's really going on and let a professional determine what would be helpful. And with your professional, make that decision of what is going to work best for you. Sometimes it's the medications. Sometimes it's trying things, you know, the behavioral stuff, you know, getting out and and doing things and maybe you'll, you know, kind of not snap out of it, but kind of break the cycle of depression. Sure. You know, there's definitely other things to try. Therapy, you know, can be great, you know, recognizing what's important and letting go of the things that aren't. Um, Is there anything that we haven't asked that you would love to add or impart to the moms and dads as we head into this busy time of year? Like when we're, yes. we're super delivering on every single thing for all of our kids and our family and our moms mm-hmm. and our dads and caring for an elderly you know, parent, all these other things, these obligations, PTA parties and all this other stuff oh going on, goodness. grab bags. What, what would you impart to those, those parents? I think the number one thing that is so underrated that the research is coming out more and more that this is the base to psychological disorders and physical illnesses, sleep. Ooh. We need to be getting eight hours of sleep a night. And these parties and these distractions take us away from that. You know, you're up all night wrapping Christmas presents. You're not sleeping. And sleep is the key to everything. Think about it. I, I know personally, I get pretty cranky come bedtime at night. Um, Me too. And if I don't, if I don't go to bed, <laughs> that's when I start picking fights, right? Recognizing that and getting our sleep eight hours a night is, is crucial because then we get into the deep sleep and get the proper sleep cycle. And that's when you process things, right? That's what exactly, keeps you right. Exactly. And work through all the stuff that we couldn't get through during the day. And the body heals during that time. That's great advice. And I, I can say I used to produce the morning show and I got like five hours a night. It's and brutal. It was oh. awful. So yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. And then having to deal with kids. And then when you get home, you can't go to bed right away. So, wow. Yes. It's rough. Well, thank you so much for um, covering the topic with us and giving your ideas. Um, It's unfortunate that we all suffer in silence. And I hope that in a small way, knowing that other people are going through it, maybe that'll give them the, I don't know, the reassurance. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. ability to say, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go talk to somebody or yeah. it's not just me cuz if one in 4 women are suffering from this I'd say that that's pretty prevalent. Mhm. It could be mm-hmm. right next door. And I think you guys mentioned a really good point earlier. We go through periods where you know, in and out of it, right? Right. And to be aware of it and not be afraid of it. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan Kennedy, clinical psychologist with Edward Elmer's Health and also affiliated with the Linden Oaks Behavioral Health Center uh, out in the western suburbs. Thank you so much and happy holidays to you. Thanks, you guys. You too. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Megan. Cheers. So apparently we can forgive ourselves. Absolutely. These holiday blues, the overwhelming feelings and, um, and focus on what's important. That was my biggest takeaway. You know what? I don't have to have every stinking piece of holiday decoration put out. No. And I don't have to go to every stinking holiday party there is and gra- participate in every grab bag or secret Santa and all this other crap. It just don't matter. No, it doesn't. And um, we cannot be superhuman. So, And our kids are not going to remember 20 years from now that it wasn't wrapped properly or <laughs> that they didn't get x y or z or they didn't get to go to this party it just doesn't matter right so we'd love to continue talking with you about this tell us how you handle the holidays the stress the pressure to deliver because we all do yep so check out our facebook page at uh, apparently and give us a call at 331-704-0046 or you can email us at apparently podcast at gmail.com this is a wgn plus podcast I'm Tracy Weiner. And I'm Ann Johnsos. Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy.